Before we jump into the episode, I have to tell you about the newly renovated Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom in Scottsdale. They've partnered with over 16 local designers and cabinet companies, of which I know most of them. I can say that this really helps give the immersive experience for anybody wanting to visualize their future kitchen. It's a place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Product experts assist you throughout the entire project, view an array of options, and see them in full-size kitchen vignettes. Turn knobs, open drawers, ignite flames, determine the best fit for you. Chef-led demonstrations provide the opportunity to ask questions of the experts that use them every day. Schedule your appointment at subzero-wolf.com backslash Scottsdale, or you can call 480-921-0900. I don't care if you build an entry-level home at the lowest price point in the United States or you're building the most expensive home in Scottsdale, your customers are your advocates or detractors. Especially in that high-end market, you catch a client that's a center of influence, it can change your life. And just remember, every interaction you have, especially with your customer, this is the most expensive project they have. Again, I don't care if it's a $100,000 entry-level trailer home or it's a $20 million custom. Like, this is their biggest expense, and they're going to talk about it, and they're going to care about it. And if you treat them like this is the most important job you have, regardless of how many jobs you have, they will remember that, and that will go on forever. That is, to me, the golden rule in construction. Welcome to episode 162 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And today we have CEO and co-founder of Buildertran, Dan Houghton. And I was really looking forward to this interview. I've known Dan uh, through some of the conferences I've been at. In fact, most importantly, CBUSA, uh, which I've spoken about here on the podcast uh, that has been acquired by Buildertran and how they've really vamped this entire um, system for all of us builders, right? As we're looking at better ways to be more competitive and network in the building industry. But what I love about Dan's perspective and advice, especially coming from the tech world, is he's running a large company, thousand employees, company culture, team building, right? Getting down into the vision and mission statement and his weekly videos, things that he's doing that's making a huge impact on his company and focusing on the strategy of the business, which all of us as business owners are listening. Doesn't matter if you're in construction. As a business owner, how are we looking at the strategy of our businesses to refine those systems to be more productive? Dan gives some tremendous insight as a CEO of a top company. Again, build a trend, great software, check them out. But without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing Contractor Coalition Summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction to Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com Sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event, amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Huntington Beach in November. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. We have Dan Houghton on with us. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brad. Appreciate it. Yeah, so Dan is the CEO and co-founder of Build-A-Trend, uh, who we use a lot. <laughs> In fact, for the last four years, you know, when I learned about Build-A-Trend and uh, one of my actually employees came to us and he's like, hey, Brad, we need to use this Build-A-Trend company. I sat in one of the, I don't even know how he found you guys. And that was the first time I learned about Build-A-Trend and you know, here we are. You and I have connected at a lot of events over the years, especially CBUSA, and uh, now we finally got you on the podcast. You know, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a customer and a, an advocate for what we do, and it's pretty wild. We uh, now own CBUSA, which is a totally different business, and uh, we're a family of five companies, so it's uh, Builder Trend, Co-Construct, Square Takeoff, CBUSA, and Toolbelt Data. So we have been busy, busy over the last couple of years, uh, expanding our reach and the uh, contractor market with roughly 30,000 customers around the globe. So it's been a good ride. So why the acquisition? Let me ask you this. I mean, as you think about that, not just for CBUSA and co-construct, I mean, you mentioned a lot of little entities here, you know, just, just your mentality because it's, you know, for most of us building a business or an entrepreneur, you know, you're trying to figure out your business, you're trying to figure out systems, but at the same time, not only are you developing systems to help us down, but you're 
like you're increasing like your reach and the complication to run your business. And this is not an easy task for anybody. No, I mean, that's, that's kind of the journey, right? If, you know, so if your listeners are entrepreneurs or, uh, you know, or, or maybe they want to become one one day. And, uh, and I think that's pretty common in our industry, especially the construction industry. A lot of folks will work for a company and they see an opportunity probably just like you did at one point, uh, to go start their, their own thing. So, you know, I think for us, it's, it, it's been strange. You know, I started this company, I was 25 years old with a couple of buddies and we're about to enter our 17th year of business. And uh, the challenges and the successes and the failures that you have over a period of time is is not much different than kind of the journey of life. <laughs> you know, the journey of business is, is very similar. And so we just saw this opportunity really in the last two years to uh, accelerate our growth, but also offer our customers really more. You know, and when you have a, a large amount of customers, uh, you see opportunities to serve them in a broader base. And uh, that's what we've been focused on the last couple of years. But, you know, I, I honestly, the, the coolest thing about our industry is folks just like yourself, you know, seeing what you've been able to accomplish in the last four years. And I say this, we have a Builder Trend University where people will come up here and they'll, they'll, they'll learn about, you know, our culture. They'll learn about, you know, operating their business, utilizing our software solutions. In a lot of ways, it's kind of half software, half, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up with your business, some of that kind of stuff. And um, I love our customers because they're so, they're just humans, right? I mean, it's like, I think you put, you put entrepreneurs on pedestals, you know, you see all this kind of stuff on Instagram and you can't tell what's real and what's not real, but our industry is just full of real humans trying to like make a, a better living for themselves and their families. And, uh, that's my favorite part about the customers we serve. I love that. It's a good aspect too, Dan, because as you think about it, I mean, I've, I've seen social media build a trend, these connectors, right. That have brought us builders together in the past that you seem to be kind of a closed door, non-communicative, like no one really understood how to better their business. And now we have all these tools out there. And like you said, build a trend. And so I, I, I think you have to share this story and I won't have you throw the builder under the bus, but you said one of, so you spoke, so I was at CBOSA and just a little background for those listening. I've spoken about this briefly, but CBOSA it's, it's like a contractor purchasing group, right? Yep. Essentially, we've the the custom market's really fragmented. You have these big national builders, you know, the, the big ones, right? Dr. Horton and Lennar, and and they have amazing purchasing power because they're doing so much volume. And so CBOSA got together and said, "Look, let's put together all these guys like me, AFT, and a bunch of you know semi-custom, and this you know together collectively we're like the sixth big, biggest builder." So build a trend takes over, you know, you purchased CBOSA, which had been just purchased by co-construct as you yep. purchased that. And you, and you came out and spoke in veil. We had a conference there last year and I'll let you, I'm just teeing it up so you can tell a story because I laughed so hard at this story. And so you have to just preface it on what, how you're interrogated in veil as, and then speaking in Boston recently, you know, just the example you gave. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's always interesting. You know, again, speaking of our customers, our customers are never shy to share feedback, positive, negative, somewhere in between. <laughs> we, you know, we just have an outspoken, you know, customer group, which I love, uh, and it makes me laugh. So we had just acquired CBUSA through our co-construct acquisition. For the folks who don't know really anything about builder or co-construct, it's like the Coke and Pepsi of construction software in the residential right. uh, construction landscape, right. you know? So yeah, it, it was a great, great merger of two companies and CBUSA uh, essentially had a lot of the folks that are members of it. I mean, the reason they're so great is because they're, their advocacy at the customer level. So folks like yourself, Brad, you know, you can go to a local vendor and say, Hey, partner with us, you know, we're going to pay less, but you're gonna get more guaranteed purchases and it's a win-win for both sides. So anyway, we I, I I go to Vail, and you know I I speak in front of a lot of groups. Like honestly, every day I feel like I'm speaking in front of a large group, and that's one of the privileges of being a CEO of a company with a you know a thousand team members. And usually people are nice to me because I'm like the boss or whatever. And so I go to CBSA, <laughs> and uh, they just kind of like you know there was like I could just it was a tense environment, and I could just felt that there was like almost a lack of trust. Uh, and I didn't probably do my, you know, give it my A plus effort up there. And I'm, I can be contentious at times. And so I go up there and we got this, this, uh, you know, this, 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 this money, this investment from bank capital. And so, you know, this, this, one of the members who I have since laughed with a lot about this was like, 
I know everything about these private equity transactions. And when you raise money from private equity, all you do is raise our prices. And really, it was just like coming after me. And I'm kind of up on stage going, oh, my gosh, like, you know, how do I get out of this? And I was like, well, that's not really part of our plan, you know, or what it is part of our plan, you know, but it's going to be good for the customer because we have more money, blah, blah. And so he gets up next and, and like to a T, he gets up there and he's bragging about how he's taking money from private equity and he's raising his house prices every 8% per month over the last you know <laughs> year and doing all the things he just accused me of doing. And so I, I had the opportunity to get him back 12 months later and I kind of uh, had a lot of fun with him at our last conference and he was a good sport about it. But yeah, I had to sit on that for 12 months. And I love that example because the reality is, as you mentioned, just the like the complication of business, right, Dan, is that like, uh, you know, for you, you're bringing on Bain Capital, which is just an arm, as you mentioned, to lead this off, that this is allows you to, you know, really b- make Build-A-Trend better for all of us. Like for me, who's using it, and I'm, and I'm coming to you saying, okay, Dan, like, this is what I need because, you know, business is more complex, our projects are more challenging, the market's more um, difficult, right, to maneuver in. So how can we work together? And um and yet, you know, as builders, we're trying to figure this out. Pricing's changing. We're changing our pricing. I mean, it's just, and so really you just called them out for the same thing that you're trying to do to maneuver through the business sector as we all are. Yeah. And it's been like, what a crazy complicated era that we're in. I mean, you can't keep up with the news cycles and, you know, you, you we, you know, we've we dealt with this pandemic and it feels like that's kind of fading away. Thank God. Um, and it, it, it was this catalyst for like this craze almost in housing where, you know, interest rates are an all time low and, um, but prices and material prices were all time high. Demand was high. And now we're like on this up, this downswing of, or upswing in interest rates, but demand is still there in a lot of markets. Um, it's just challenging, right? I mean, operating a business, you know, you don't have the right answers for everything. And, you know, as a business leader, I think sometimes your employees or the people that have invested in you ex- expect you to bat a thousand percent, but really you're just trying to make the best decisions with the information that you have. Uh, and, and you've experienced that in your market. I mean, it's not easy to look at a customer face to face and say, yeah, no, it actually costs that <laughs> to do that because yeah. labor is expensive, material prices are expensive. Um, and uh, there, there's so many unique challenges, whether you run a software business, a grocery store or a construction business. Uh, the last three years have been, you know, you could write a textbook uh, on how to operate a business in this time period. And it's been wild. It's been wild. It's been fun, but it's it's been hard, too. It's been really hard. It's interesting you say it that way, uh, Dan, because I look at business and you kind of tee this up as well. Is that, you know, I look at what my pricing was in 2018 as to now, just four years later. And so many light items have doubled. Same scope of work, same house, all things considered the same labor and materials double, right? And and it makes it really difficult. And then you add on the complication, as you mentioned, I've had to change my entire business model. I mean, I look at how I priced the project years ago to now, you know, we've gone all cost plus, I've been pretty open. And, you know, we've had to change that model just because of the market. And for someone such as you, Dan, I mean, how does this play a role as you look into like your company and build a trend itself, the research arm, right? Uh, as you're looking, you know, Outlook's, for someone such as me in Scottsdale to someone that's in Florida to someone in the Midwest and you're thinking, okay, market, labor shortage, high cost, you know, how do you, like how much time is your research team spending to figure out, you know, boots on the ground, what do the builders need to continue to revamp, you know, the software that's out there? Yeah. I mean, all the time. So we've got, uh, you know, a handful of PhDs on our staff who are all, you know, typically from the ap- academic world. Um, and, and part of what our product and user research team is doing on a regular basis, and this is, you know, team of 100 plus people, is just trying to figure out what makes you tick and what your pain problems and what your pain points are. And again, a guy in a company in Scottsdale has potentially different pain points than someone in Florida or New York. And our clients range from, you know, building in high end custom homes to, uh, starter homes to just pool and landscape contractors to, you know, remodelers. I mean, we've got a large, you know, variety of customers that are primarily focused in the residential industry. And so we we have to segment those customers out. And so uh, for us, it's a lot of listening and a lot of asking questions to really get down to the, the nitty gritty of what your issues are. And, and there's a lot of issues. I mean, from finding talents to 
the correct estimating, the right pricing, uh, to getting connected with the right subcontractors or market. Uh, and so there's a lot going on there. And our goal is to, at the end of the day, if you give us X amount of dollars per month, we want to make you think, you know, at the end of the day, you're making money because you're utilizing our solutions. And if you're not making money because of our software, then we're not a good fit for you probably. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think of the complexities you mentioned, large amount of customers. I maybe speak to this. I, I look at this. Okay, I'm a builder chain user and I have X volume and X complex, compl um, complexity with my projects and custom homes. And you may have, you know, a smaller operator or maybe a pool contract, as you mentioned, or a subcontractor or maybe a small remodeler. You know, to build software that's so complex, you know, for these huge differences of builders from mm -hmm. volume to personnel to you know, revenue they're turning around, you know, just making software that's universal. I mean, that in itself, you know, the complication behind it, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's 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 extremely hard uh, and one of the biggest challenges we face because every user, I mean, you could have an identical business in your own market and the way they think about technology or the utilizing technology could be completely different. You know, 180 degrees different on what you think is valuable versus what they think is valuable. And so, where our biggest challenge lies within our customer base is just the level of commitment on the way they want to change. And when you're operating a small business, and I know this from you know personal experience, it's hard to step out of your business. And that's a cliche thing you'll hear on every single business podcast in the world. You got to step out of your business, work on your business. And the fact is, it's like the reason it's always said is because it's really true. Uh, and when you're constantly chasing your tail and doing the work yourself, it's really, really hard to grow your business. And the best way and the easiest way to grow your business is by to have like real processes. And when you have processes, usually there's technology behind those processes. Um, that's when you can just start ma doing magical things in your business. And, you know, we are one kind of tool in the toolkit of offerings to our customers that can help them scale their business and do more with less people potentially. And as you know, and I both know, like finding great talent is in a lot of ways the biggest challenge most businesses have today. Still to this day, our customers, you know, even in a market that's kind of shifting uh, where demand is a little less, our customers every single month are telling us through data like they can't find enough good workers. And that's that means you need to be more efficient with what you have. I love that perspective. I mean, I think about this when you say level of commitment and systems. And I want to come back to that, but maybe maybe to this point, right now, you're a perfect example of this, Dan. Here you are, your CEO, you have a thousand employees, right? How do you personally find time to focus on the business as opposed to, look, I mean, I'm sure your day, you're on with me right now, the middle of work day, but you, you have so many commitments from speaking and, well, speaking <laughs> and traveling and company culture. And I mean, you're just managing, you know, clients, someone like me saying, hey, Dan, I need this. Uh, application for build a trend. Hurry, make this right. You're, you're dealing with the client demands. How are you finding time to focus on the business with your, you know, leadership group? You know, I, I think when I when we were smaller, I'll tell you what I think I did wrong was we would try to do too much. And I've said this on other podcasts. Um, I think we would say let's try to do ten things this year to change our business. And in some ways, uh, you know, my one of my co-founders used to say. You know, when you think of a, a bunch of train cars, fill them all the way to the top, then move to the next one. Don't just fill them up little by little because you'll never get any of them full. Uh, and I like that analogy because in a lot of ways, that's what we do. It feels good to accomplish kind of a lot of things and say you're doing a lot of things for your own ego. But the real the reality is, is like what I tend to do at this point is, as our company's got bigger, it's just to focus on a few things. Uh, instead of trying to do a, a million things. And I, I think it's it's advice that I was too arrogant for when I was younger um, because I was afraid if I just picked one or two things and I failed at it, that that meant I was a failure as a business leader. But I'd rather be decisive and go out and really try to do something than half kind of halfway do it and have mediocre returns. So that's something for me as I've grown in business, not that I'm some seasoned business veteran, but doing this for 17 years, uh, those are some mistakes I made early on was just trying to do too much. I think that's really important to think about. I mean, I, I, I try to attribute this as, as we're running our business, you know, and I'm running ours is that, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, right? Doesn't really get you anywhere that if you can, 
focus on a certain task. And I've seen this, you know, I, I saw we had a, a, a huge scope gap and I won't go into the exact specifics, but bottom line is, you know, from office to field, we had this dis- disconnect and it, it was a big pain point. And instead of focusing on a lot of different things, there was one solution between systems technology and then having someone to oversee that a director of ops. And we, we, that, that changed everything. Spencer now fills that position. I'm like, man, I mean, so just focus on this one need as opposed to like the 10 needs I have right now. It really gave us some breathing room to now focus on number two. And then you can kind of go down the line from your side. I mean, any other personal insight on that, Dan, when you only have so many hours in a work day, you have a family, right? You have other commitments. I mean, is there a certain amount of time that you're spending on the business a week? Is this a plan thing? Is this a calendar thing? Or is this this intentional, like you said, I'm focused on this task and we're gonna get this done and then we'll figure out phase two. Yeah, I mean, I think it feels like most of what I do at this point in my life is on the business. You know, I'm not doing anything day to day that's, you know, physically transacting, making us money. I mean, I'm doing meetings and sometimes I'll try to help with like a big deal or something. Uh, But at the end of the day, I'm driving strategy and I'm driving people and I'm driving culture. And if you think about kind of that in order, you can look at it backwards, like your people, you know, drive that strategy or your culture and your people can drive that strategy. And so I spend my time making sure we have the best people for the right positions and they're most, you know, I think as a leader, this is your your job if you have employees is to give them the best opportunity to be successful. And you need to eliminate all those kind of hurdles that they have that a lot of times, if you think about businesses, they make it really hard for their people to be successful. And it's whether it's hoops to jump through or bureaucracy or you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to get approval for this. Like there's just so many barriers for people. Um, and so my job is to eliminate those barriers and give our people, regardless if they're entry level or it's our chief operating officer, uh, autonomy and like really the ability to be great and successful. Um, I think that's that's personally what I do. That's my job. <laughs> Well, and, I, and I'm going to come back to that. It's funny that you talk about eliminating barriers and like the red tape if per se, right? To things that some of us create these barriers either with our lack of systems or lack of project management software or whatever that's inhibiting us. I had a, I was out with some clients golfing a few weeks back and one of the clients, one of his friends was making them putt out like everything. And he kept making them and he's like, all this red tape, like you keep making me put it out. It's like a two foot putt. Like I got to walk through all this red tape. And I was laughing and he's a savvy business guy. And he's like, that's the same thing as business. Like you're making me put this out, but in business, like get rid of the red tape. Like, you know, anyways, um, but where I'm getting at is, you know, for you, Dan, this has changed. Like when you were 25 starting the company to now, I'm sure at that point you had to spend a little bit more time in these systems and be involved. Whereas now, and, and really this is a good application for any business owner that, as you develop company culture and systems and you have the right people on the train and you're moving, you can start to delegate that where now you can focus on strategy, which really means build a trend today is going to be a lot more successful because you have someone like Dan behind the scenes focused on strategy where I'm sure in 2005 is a little more difficult to do that. Yeah. I mean, we were doing everything right. I mean, couldn't get out of our own way and I was responsible for a million different things. And you know, when you're starting a company, that's part of that journey, right? Is like doing all the jobs and uh, kind of just grinding to, you know, make sure you can hire more people. And, you know, there's no like easy switch where you get to go from like zero to hundred miles an hour. Um, and I think that that is, you know, especially if you're younger or you're starting anything, there's like, this just this ego you have, right. And this ego is you have enough confidence to go out on your own. And that takes a lot of courage. Um, or in some cases, maybe stupidity, uh, or just blinders, but it takes courage, I think to do it. And part of that courage is that ego in you saying you can do it and I will be successful and a failure is not an option. And so I think what's unique about that is early on for me, I was afraid to let go of things and it was kind of like I had to be right. I know this. I started this. This is my way. And what really helped, I think, the long-term health and success of our business was when I stepped away from things. And I found somebody that was honestly better than me, our business like started to fly. And, you know, I look at, you know, sales. I used to run sales and we had 15 or 16 sales reps. And one day Josh Kaiser, our chief revenue officer, walks in. He wasn't our chief revenue officer then, but walks into my office and says, said something to the fact like, we can do this better. Here's some ideas. Here's some plans. And I was like, well, why don't you just do it? 
And I kind of step back and I let him do it. Today we have 250 sales reps and probably one of the most efficient sales organizations, you know, in the world. And it wasn't me that did it. I had nothing to do with it. The only thing I had to do with it was I supported him and removed some of those barriers so he could be successful. Uh, and, and it's amazing if you build the right culture where these people feel empowered to go do great things with your company. Uh, all of a sudden, you get to be almost like a, you know, a spectator. <laughs> you get to watch greatness happen with the people that you've employed. And uh, there's nothing more rewarding than seeing someone that you hire do something spectacular. And, you know, for a lot of folks, if that happens, it's the financial success for everybody involved is usually a positive thing. I love that. And and it just shows to, you know, just that talented leadership element that you have, Dan. And I want to get back to like kind of your journey into this, but what keeps you up at night now? I mean, things are kind of moving in their way. I mean, what are those things that stress you out as you're thinking about strategy and the future? You know, there has to be something that is, you know, any business owner has those things on the back of their mind that all of us, you know, it's just, it's hanging out there. Yeah. So, you know, there's certain things you can't control. We can't control interest rates, right? So as interest rates go up, for many of the listeners out here, it could affect their business. The cost to borrow monies affects the folks that want to get a mortgage, their cost to purchase increases. Like, But we can't control those. So you have to be responsive to the things that you can't control. And it's interesting, the older I've gotten, the longer I've been in business, I don't lose sleep over things I can't control. Because the reality is I survived 2007, 2008, 2009. We go through different economic cycles. There are better times there are worse times. It's just part of the world that we live in and being comfortable with like there is going to be a, a tomorrow, um, even when it doesn't feel like it sometimes and planning for the worst in some cases. Uh, I worry and I lose the most sleep over our people it is my favorite thing about organization. And when we had 10 employees, it was my favorite thing about the organization. But it's also the most challenging and harding, hardest thing about the organization. And and people, you know, you're we're all humans, right? So we all have. No one's perfect. We all have our faults. And one of the things I always, you know, communicate with our employees and our team members at our company is if your life is not better outside, you know, outside of work because you work at Builder Trend, then we're not doing our job. But the reality is, is I've got, you know, multiple employees today that are fighting cancer. You have people that, you know, are going through divorce. You have people that are dealing with mental health issues. You have people that have parents that are sick. You have, uh, you know, it's just real life stuff. And you can't discount real life stuff because that is part of who these people are and how, part of who, Brad, you are and part of who I am. Like, we're not perfect. We're not immune to challenging things because we started a company. And I think being empathetic to what's going on in your organization and trying to be as supportive as possible is, uh, I think it's the responsibility as an owner of a company. If someone chooses and picks your company to work at, it's it's humbling, right? Like these people can work anywhere they want. Your employees can work anywhere they want. And so uh, you have to be with there for your people in the best of times to celebrate with them in the most challenging times uh, when they're dealing with some tough stuff. And the, the tough part is the more people you have, the more tough things you got to deal with. So that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. Yeah, I, I, I can relate the people side. And it's interesting, you know, as you become a business owner, as you are, Dan, and, and myself, uh, you made the comment, just kind of shows your humility and kind of who you are as a leader is that you said it's humbling, right? That people want to work for me. And having that mentality as a business to look at your employees, like not just the commitment they're, they're making and the time and, you know, yeah, they're getting paid for that. But at the same time, there's a humility there because like they're picking you, they want to work at Build a Trend. And, and having to manage a thousand people, I can't imagine. We have 17 we, we do have trade partners and so forth, but as far as immediate under my umbrella, for you, are, are there some unique things culturally you're doing, right? A builder trend. And and I know your company's going to be a little unique because you're in the tech space as opposed to me. You're going to be, you know, what are some unique things or maybe add-ons or benefits you do for the, like the mental health or the complexity of all the different personalities that are there working at builder trend? Yeah. So, I mean, the reality is the bigger you get, the more you can invest in in some of these perks, right? You know, we have a sabbatical after you've worked at our company, you get a month off. And there's mental health, you know, uh, support. And uh, we have, you know, DEI councils. And so, like, those are the things that kind of, th those things build the DNA of who you are as an organization. And they grow. As you get bigger, you can offer more things. And you can be more supportive to your team because you have more money to spend. 
Uh, and like if you've ever been to our office, we look like a tech company, right? Like everybody's in casual attire. There's a bar. There's ping pong tables, pool tables. Like it just looks like a place you want to be at. But I always like that's a facade. Like ping pong tables do not make your culture. And I, you know, I've heard people say this. And right. you know, what I think makes our culture is like really like what our core values are. It's like embrace change. Don't be an asshole. Like treat people with respect. Um, that at the end of the day, that at the end of the day makes that's who you are as an organization. Like that's when you walk into the office. You know, how many times have you talked to a friend or a family member and somebody has anxiety walking into their office or walking into their job because they're worried about what their boss is going to say to them or they're worried about a colleague being a bully to them? Like those are the things you got to kill uh, and you got to kill those things fast. And if you do that and you show people you really care about them at their hardest moments like we were just talking about, that's when you build a DNA and an organization that I think can truly be world class. And at the end of the day, we have short little periods of time on this earth. And I want people at some point in their life say, I am really glad I worked at this organization. I'm proud that I worked there. Maybe I only worked there for five years or two years, but uh, everything they told me, they followed through on. Uh, and I met great people there. And, you know, it's it's fun. It's a privilege. I get to, I get to see people. I've seen, you know, I'm, I'm going to officiate two employees wedding or a wedding this week, actually. Uh, and you know, you, yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. And they're not the first couple to ever get meet and get married at Builder Trend. I don't think we've got an HR policy about that. Obviously not. So, but you know, you you meet these people who have babies and their families, and they buy their first house, and they get a new car, they pay off their student loans because they're working at your organization. And there's nothing I'm more proud of than what those people are accomplishing. And I've been again a spectator to to see it all happen. It's pretty cool. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Buildertrend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. So this last week, I was at my Builder 20, and Al Trellis, who's like a business consultant, he's consulted, I mean, amazingly talented, super wise individual that has really helped some of the big players, big firms nationally uh, with tremendous growth, and he's going to come on later. But what's interesting, when you speak about DNA, 
he said exactly what you said, Dan. You must have had some training from Al because yeah. he was talking about that. You know, if if the employees understand the company vision and the mission statement, right? They understand the values, the goals of of you, Dan, and the the leadership there. That's when you pick good. That's when you have good company culture. It's not just the facade. It's not just the company outings or the group text or the team lunches or the activities, right? Or the perks. It's when when every player on board understands the goals of the company and they live by it. That's when you really become successful, you know, building a team culture. Yeah, I 100% agree. And and part of that, I think if you're leading an organization, whether you're a manager or you're owner of a business, is don't be afraid to repeat yourself over and over again. If you have a company vision, if you have a set of values, if you have, um, you know, things that you want to build, just communicate. Just say it over and over again. I mean, the reality is most people will retain like 10% of this podcast. You know, they'll pick up a few things that they'll like from this and the rest they'll pretty much check out on and whatever that there's no different. That's no different than if I'm going to go talk to our team for a half hour, most people are going to pick up on a few things that they like they heard. And so it's really critical that you repeat yourself nonstop. And, you know, even for our company, uh, I met this CEO who has 10,000 employees and, you know, he was merging two companies similar to what we did. And his advice to me was, just communicate. And one easy way to communicate with your team, and it feels cheesy, feels super cheesy, and it's like outside my comfort zone is, but I shoot a weekly video to our company. And I did one shot, one take, and it's like four, three or four things that are on my mind that we accomplished this week. What I'm nervous about, what might be keeping me up at night, uh, where we need to go, what our goals are, and reaffirming this. And honestly, Brad, like I don't, as much as somebody may disagree with this, I don't want to be in the spotlight about this stuff. It's uncomfortable for me, but it's important for our people to hear where we're going. Even if I'm saying the same thing 75% of the time over and over again, it reaffirms like really what we're trying to accomplish. That's interesting. So I'm going to ask you about this. So, I mean, again, going back to Al, he had said the exact same thing, right? That you know, as you're, and, and for anyone listening, if you want to build a company culture, make sure every everyone on board, you're repeating yourself in team meetings, production meetings, like, here's our goals. Here's what I'm thinking we are as a company. And hopefully, you know, we're reiterating this enough where you all kind of understand, you know, our vision statement. And, but when you send out a weekly video, is this, you know, just hold up your phone, pretty simple. How formal is it? And, and really duration, like, uh, of the video. Uh, two and a half to five minutes. I have maybe re-recorded it like once or twice. Uh, I do it on Zoom and I just record it and then uh, we send it out to the entire company. I record it on Thursday afternoon. We send it out Friday morning with a, an email that says, here's the things. And, and I spend about 75% on work stuff and then 25% on like what I would say is people updates. So like what's happening in the organization. We're having a work event at the you know Union Omaha soccer game this week. Hope we'll see you out there. But most of it's like, you know, it's about what's happening in the organization. So like this last week, you know, there's obviously been a lot of turbulence. And if you read the news, it seems like all bad news, right? Like, but we were talking earlier, Brad, like how you're feeling the effects of what's going on in the economy. And everybody feels a little bit different. But the one thing I know is we've got 30,000 clients that I can see what's going on with their business through our data. And so I would say in a lot of ways is the, the doom and gloom isn't quite as bad as, you know, the news sources make you think it is. Um, which, you know, after the last probably four or five years, we should probably all be a little smarter than we are that not to believe everything we hear on the news or we read at this point. Um, yeah. So, but, but it's like, I, my people worry about that. And so I need to address the fact that interest rates for a new home are at an all time high, you know, and for a lot of people that have, that, that are, you know, under the age of 40 have never experienced an interest rate over 5%. Uh, and so, that, that's stuff we'll talk about all the way up to what our strategies are, what our goals are and all that good stuff. So I'll send you one of these videos. You can check it out. Yeah. I'm excited to see it so we can start implementing it. It's interesting to bring up the interest rates and not to take this sideways, but you and I essentially where I, I graduated college about the same time you started build a trend. I mean, we're roughly the same age. And, um, I remember graduating college and this is 2005 when I was finishing college and at the time, the interest rate had dropped to 5.375. And I remember my professor was shocked. He's yeah. like, I haven't seen interest rates this low in 40, you know, 30 years. Like they have not been this low. And because they were for a long time, I think when I was in college, they were 6%. I understand housing values are up. So that's kind of throwing the delta off. But essentially, to your point, I mean, it's perspective, right? And 
but anyways, going back to that, 25, I mean, Dan, and, and this is important to me, is as you think about being starting Build-A-Trend, did you have construction experience? Why Build-A-Trend? I mean, how did you come up with this idea at 25, and then here we are 17 years later? Uh, I don't like to admit this, but I had zero construction experience, and either did the other co-founders. Uh, <laughs> so we had software and technology Sometimes experience. that's a good thing, though. I, you know, honestly, I think it was. Uh, looking back, is we didn't paint ourselves into a corner off our own bad habits. So we had an objective look to what we had to build. And so uh, my first job out of college was I was working for a software business uh, in the insurance industry. My two partners were high school buddies of mine, way smarter than I am. They're still active in the business. They're on the board. Um, and they were building custom applications because there weren't really, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't go find a piece of software for a small business. You know, now today there's software for lawyers or software for restaurants. These mainstream multi-billion dollars have really built their businesses off SMBs, but that was not very sexy 20 years ago. It was just big enterprise software. And so a lot of times uh, contractors specifically would have to kind of piece together solutions. So we saw this great opportunity basically just in our backyard. And like, it was just like any other traditional story. I mean, I think tech gets this like, everybody thinks it's sexy, high valuations, unicorns. And honestly, Brad, we saw <laughs> we saw an opportunity to make more money doing this job than we did at our previous jobs. And it was like starting a laundromat to us. We, hey, if we get this many customers at this price, we think we can make X amount of dollars. And that seems like a pretty good living. And let's see where this thing can go. And so that's why we started. We saw an opportunity the same way all these listeners have saw an opportunity when they were a company. Um, it wasn't sexy. We were in a basement. It wasn't like we had venture capital money. We were a bootstrap business. Um, and we became one of the largest bootstrap SaaS kind of software as a service uh, businesses in, in the United States, which is something we're proud of. But uh, it's just such a crazy journey. I just, I mean, the risk part of it. And it's so much easier when you're 25 than when you're, you know, 41 or 40, you know, when I am today, I've got a 12 year old, a 10 year old. And you're, what you're facing, the realities of your life are different, whether it's your mortgage payment, you're paying for your kid's tuition, uh, it just changes. And so I think, you know, I feel really blessed and lucky that we are able to, to do that at such an early age. Well, it's difficult. I, I think even early on, of course, you know, it's new, it's fresh. You're trying to figure out next step, next step. And all of us were evolving as a business, or at least we should be, you know, if we want to stay competitive in the business world and uh, in our markets, depending on our scope. But for you, as you're thinking about this, Dan, I mean, you guys continue to kind of push the limit from, you know, payment where people can now, you know, for the, especially those on QuickBooks, it's all speaking through bill trend. They're mm -hmm. collecting, they're doing change. Or, I mean, everything's live there. Now you've gotten into estimating you know, speak to just kind of that journey, some of the new attributes and features there at Build a Trend as, as well as kind of where the future is going to go. Yeah. So, I mean, not to make this a, a plug for what we do, uh, there's a lot of great software solutions out there in our industry. We obviously, I think we probably spend um, a lot more than anybody on R&D and what we do. And we have the privilege of just serving this this awesome customer base. And so we want to be the system of record for our customer. And so if you think about how you utilize a piece of software it's to manage your business it's just business management solutions and so we're constantly looking at ways we can really help our customers in different areas so just like 15 years ago 20 years ago i was saying people were piecing things together in a lot of ways people are still doing that and it's 15 20 years later and so uh, we want to eliminate any friction points that a customer might have so why we integrated an online takeoff solution was our customers were utilizing an online like takeoff solutions outside of our platform. They kept saying they needed it integrated. They need a more robust system that really talked with other parts of our program. So we made that happen. Um, you talk about payments and uh, payment opportunities. Like we don't want it to be hard for you to get paid by your customers. If someone's paying you for a change order uh, or putting a deposit on a project, like we want to make that experience beautiful, not only for you, but for your customer. So it's a really good, and they want to show them when they're paying you and what change orders they've approved. So you're not having a fist fight, you know, on the, on the, the last day of the month telling your customer what they owe you. They see it right in front of them. So, uh, we are constantly just looking at ways we can, you know, improve our customers day-to-day -day operations. And some of the stuff's not even like software, like it could be insurance. Um, there's things that we're doing, uh, really across the board, uh, because of our, our reach of 30,000 clients, we get the opportunity to, to get them better deals, whether it's through material pricing, like see through CBUSA or, uh, even like 
down to like something as you know as basic as insurance that we all have. It's interesting that perspective, and 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 you mentioned just you're looking to grow, and I've always heard that, especially for those of us running our business, they say it's really important to network, like in your realm, in your. Um, for lack of a better word, I'm in construction, right? So I'm going to network with a lot of construction professionals, whatever that dynamic may be. But they always say, if you really want to grow and really think outside the box to some extent, like network with other people, go to other events, right? Where it's not just contractors, maybe other businesses. What are they doing marketing wise? What are they doing to uh, change the customer experience, right? For that emotional journey of the client. Like how are they capturing that? You know, you and I have traveled. We've been fortunate to travel somewhat, Dan. And, you know, I look at the experience if I'm, um, definitely was not the case early on, but you know, now through some of the events and things I've been in, sometimes you're fortunate to stay at a nice place and that customer experience, right? The customer service and how they communicate. And, you know, it's like, I see this and I'm like, how can I implement that with my customers? How can I give them this experience, which is what they're searching for? How often are you taking ideas or networking with other CEOs, other tech executives to say, that's a great idea. Let's look at this and maybe implement this with builder and with our construction team. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I think, uh, Picasso said all great ideas are stolen. Uh, and there's probably a lot of truth to that if you think about it. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need to take I don't need to take credit for any idea that we have. Uh, in fact, I was talking about this today. I'm like, you know, I mean, we were talking about a YouTube strategy um, for our customers. And I was like, look, like we can sit around and talk about YouTube all day long. But my guess is there's a company out there that is doing it really well. And we can mimic what they're doing in our market um, and for our customers. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's everything. And I, I remember um, buying some software 10 years ago and going through the process of buying software for our business. And it was like, gosh, it's just, they're making this so hard the way they sent the contract over, like the terms of the contract. I'm like, I just can't stand this. And I was like, look, we're doing the exact same thing to our customers. It was literally the exact same way we were selling. The terms were the same. And I'm like, I don't like this. So why would our customers like this? And there's just like simple moments like that in your, your career that kind of, you kind of just say, oh gosh, like why did it take me so long to figure that out? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think customer, I, I the reality, especially contractors, um, and if you don't believe this, I can promise you, you are wrong. And I'll make that statement is your best source of business is through your previous customers. And so your previous customers, I don't care if you build an entry level home at the lowest price point in the United States, or you're building the most expensive home in Scottsdale, your customers are your advocates or detractors, especially in that high end market. You catch a client that's a center of influence. It can change your life. And just remember every interaction you have, especially with your customer, this is the most expensive project they have. Again, I don't care if it's a hundred thousand dollar entry level trailer home or it's a twenty million dollar custom. Like this is their biggest expense, and they're going to talk about it and they're going to care about it. And if you treat them like this is the most important job you have, regardless of how many jobs you have, they will remember that, and that will go on forever. That is to me the golden rule in construction. I mean, people people love to refer good things to their friends, and I see it happen all the time. That is a great perspective. It's interesting you said that, Dan, because just a few days ago, again, going back to my bill of 20, I was just asked. So Cardinal Crest, who you know, Joe yeah. and Adam, who are with Cardinal Crest in Kansas City, they, uh, I was talking with Joe and he said, we did an apology tour. This was just Saturday. He's telling me we did this apology tour. And I'm like, what's an apology tour? And he said, well, here's the reality. I mean, they build a ton of homes and they're yeah. kind of in that market, you know, where in Kansas City and they're, they're, they have a lot of product. And he said, you know, just like any company, you're growing your systems, you're back in your warranty and, you know, don't have the right people. You're kind of refining that. And he said, what we found was there, there were just some, our tail got really long and we're like, we need to clean this up. So they hired somebody, they invested to hire someone that's really talented just to oversee that. And they called their apology tour. They went to all their past clients, you know, a hundred of them. How's the home? What's the issue? You know, and, and they started servicing stuff that was right, wrong, and different. They just did it. And they're like, it was so beneficial to our business because all these clients are like contractors never call us back. They don't take care of their warranty. Here they are. They're kind of instigating this. They're not being called. They're just proactively going out there. And he said, look, it costs us money, right? We had to go back and do this stuff. We had to hire somebody, but the customer advocacy, which is what you're mentioning, Dan, you have the right person, the right, doesn't have to be an influencer, but the right people, you know, they can, they can 
as I say all the time, silent salesmen, people that sell for you that aren't on your payroll, you know, they're selling that brand. hundred percent. I mean, and I, I look at warranty as a marketing expense, you know, it's painful, right? Cause you're trying to close this job out and there's nothing worse than just getting stuck on a job because you want to move on. That's the nature of our business. But if you have a good relationship with that client, every time you're seeing that client, it's a marketing opportunity. It's always a marketing opportunity. And it's, it can be as simple as just checking in, or if you're dealing with a complex kind of warranty issue or problem, look, if you show up and you do it the thing the right way, they're going to tell their friends about that. And if you were at their house and they're going out to dinner, you know, with some friends later that night or they're moving to the area or thinking about a house, like they're going to talk about, think about if you're at dinner with your friends, what you talk about, you talk about what happened your day. And if you were not nice to your customer, or if you had an unpleasant experience with your customer, or if your customer maybe walked away frustrated, it's coming up at dinner. It's absolutely coming up at dinner. Now, are they going to be, if you are if you wow them and you're great, does it come up at dinner? Maybe, but if you're not good at your job, it absolutely comes up at, at dinner. And that's terrifying. That's really terrifying. And, you know, I mean, I, I worry about that with our business, and we talk to our customer success people who talk to our, our clients, and most of those folks have the best backgrounds, teachers, coaches, restaurant managers, former military uh, service people, and, and they're just great communicators. And I'm like, just don't let a customer walk, get off the phone upset. I mean, that is a failure on our part if that happens. So it doesn't matter what your business is in, but especially in contracting, oh my goodness, you get an angry, you get an angry customer and that's no fun. And it's going to happen no matter what. It's just no fun. Yeah. It is tough. As much as you, we, we try to have our system dialed in, there's always going to be things that fall through the cracks. Your perspective is unique, Dan, because I mean, especially owning a tech company and being involved in construction and you're servicing builders such as myself every day, but you've built on your side and not to throw any build under the bus, but from a homeowner perspective, as you've gone through the building process, things that you'd recommend like pros, cons, right? Of different communication or software, like what was your experience at the customer level having gone through the building process? You know, I think it's it's such a fun journey to build something from like scratch. You know, we, you know, my experience, we built a custom home with one of our earliest customers. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the perspective that Allah has is like, you as a builder, you may think you're annoying as the builder. You cannot over-communicate enough. You literally cannot over-communicate enough. I mean, and that's what I love about you know, just a simple like daily log or a to-do and builder trend. I mean, you should be doing videos, daily logs every single day. I don't care if no one showed up to that job site, make a video of something you haven't made a video of and give them an update on like, look how cool this bathroom's gonna look here, just point out some things. That is, that takes your project manager, your designer, you as an owner, five minutes. That five minutes could save you an hour easily later that day or later that week. Uh, and I think I would also recommend like scheduled, you know, touch points. So, you know, let's make sure every week or two that we have a half hour meeting. And the beautiful the beautiful thing about it doesn't have to be in person. It could be on Zoom. It could be on Teams. But let's just do a 30-minute check-in on where we're at, what issues we have, what delays we've had, what decisions we've made. And that stuff can also be, you know, communicated in an application on their phone so none of these things are surprises, but you can't over-communicate enough. And that's what technology helps with. Um, but I, I would say this from my perspective, I think you got to set the tone on like what's what's okay and what's not okay. I mean, if you start responding to text messages at 10, 10 p.m. at night, that's never going to end for you with that client. They're going to expect you to answer them every single time. Uh, I think Joe from Cardinal Crest, we might actually talk about this at the IBS at uh, one of the the educational seminars, I think you've got to rein in your customers on like, look, we're a eight to six shop. We understand that you've got needs and questions outside of those hours, but our folks have families and we try to be a culture to support their lives outside of work. And uh, so if you send them a text, it may not get responded until the next day. And most people, every reasonable human being is going to be okay with that. But you just got to let them know at the beginning. I, I love that perspective because as, as you mentioned, but yeah, well, you said every reasonable person because most people are and the thing is, but it's setting expectations. So if you set that in day one and the client's not okay with that, maybe that's an easy way to vet your client, right? 100%. You're probably not the right client if you're not going to respect my people. Yeah. So that makes it easy. But what's interesting is along that point about setting those boundaries or standards, I had Clark and co on Emily and Dan and Dan's like, my clients only have my cell phone. And I'm like, I yeah. like pause interview. I'm like, how's that possible? Like, that's amazing, you know, to, to, 
to be at that level. But what I love that you shared, and essentially, Dan, you're doing this just for your own team. You talked about like weekly videos, you know, daily logs. Um, what's interesting, we started doing this uh, a while ago. Instead of just a normal daily log, we do the video. So like our superintendents every week do a weekly video and uh, we upload it, right, to build a trend, but we also send it out on a group text with some of our designers and architects so they're involved. And what's interesting, you put the whole team on there, interior designer, architect, landscape architect, client, and our team. And just that simple communication of here's what's upcoming, here's a look ahead, here's what took place this week. A lot of my clients live out of state. And it's amazing, just as you said, that over-communication has been just so key because now, essentially, my perspective, maybe you, you can build on this, is that I look at it this way. If, if we're going to stay in front of it, our client doesn't feel that they have to or they have to micromanage us. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of times if you're a project manager, especially right now, we're dealing with delays. Materials are hard to get. Uh, there's always these weird challenges. I think there's like this fear of owning up to like what's the reality of the job. And like, look, nothing happened today. No one showed up today. Like that's not a great message to send. We thought this was going to be done, but it's not. I feel like. You know, not great telling you this, but you're so much better off over communicating the negative stuff because that stuff is what becomes major, major snowball issues for you down the road. But then the perception is you're not owning up to things or you're hiding things uh, that can be like a really slippery slope. And you see a lot of young project managers who are maybe newer in the industry that just avoid those things. Um, and I think, you know, my advice to any the project manager is like, just own it. Hey, if no one showed up to the job site, say, hey, we had miscommunication on the job site today. No one showed up, but we cleaned the job site today because no one showed up. And here's some videos of the backyard views that you're going to have. And uh, it's going to be a great place for you. You know, whatever. That is better than not saying anything. You just go silent on them. They just assume the worst. And that's that's a slippery slope. It's interesting you share that because I think of it now my perspective, right? As a general contractor, I'm subcontracting a majority of my workout. You know, I have trade partners and there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, expecting someone to show up and now it's 10 AM and they haven't shown up or my supers call me. They won't respond. I can't get a hold of them. Right. As opposed to a couple of my subcontractors, that will just call and say, Hey Brad, someone's out with COVID or we're waiting on this material or whatever, like they're staying in front of it. So it's not great news because yeah, they're not at the job site, but I'm not having to chase them down. And it's good perspective. Cause I think most of us as business owners, we don't want to seem vulnerable, right? I don't want to go to my client and say, so-and-so didn't show up today. So I look like I'm unorganized or I look like I don't have my ducks in a row, but the reality is it, this stuff happens. Like they're business owners. They're dealing with it to all of our clients. Like they get it. But if we stay in front of it, uh, you know, that's the easiest way to, um, to kind of bridge that communication gap. 100%. You know, in, in our solution, and, you know, you can share the calendar with your clients and key milestones and deadlines, but you can share as much as you want. So you can have a phone-blown project management, gnarly, deep calendar on your side, but only share, like, the highlights. And just build in some time. Gosh, you know, give yourself a give yourself a little grace and add a week during framing, you know. And, so be, and if that didn't work last time, add another week. <laughs> You know, keep adding that week until you, you find that sweet spot and then use that template, you know, for your next job. And uh, I think I think sometimes, you know, it's like we talk about managing customers' expectations. Sometimes we got to manage our own expectations as a contractors. Right. And, you know, we're going to knock this, this job out in, you know, 180 days or 90 days. And it's like, is that really going to serve anybody all that well if we get this done two weeks sooner? Maybe we make a little bit more money. But if we just if we don't manage that expectation the right way there's a good chance I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad at my subs and my homeowners will be mad at me and nobody went. And so, um, and I just think it's, we always want to do better, but expectation management for everybody is, is a big key of being a successful contractor. Yeah. I love that you shared. I think there's a lot of application there. I mean, I, as, as you're sharing that experience, I think back all my pain points with any customer Pro and con, like the cons are definitely when I'm over committing, saying I'll get done by this date and I'm putting this deadline on there for everybody just because I think I'm going to make the customer happy and then you can't get there, right? Whereas I've learned now, like I have a project now where the client, they're getting married and they're actually getting married in like two weeks and we were meeting with them last fall and I just knew, I'm like, look, I've been through this. I know how this is going. There's no way we're yep. going to be done next November. Go enjoy your wedding. We'll be done, you know, probably February, March. 
And, you know, it was bad news at the time, but they said, okay, we'll just plan on that. And yeah. then now we're not killing ourselves for this deadline that was really inachievable, right? And now the client's going to be happy. We just changed the game plan early on. Yep. Yep. New construction, probably a little easier message to send than if you're in someone's home remodeling, right? Yeah. You remodel's know, tough. Remodeling, you know, and we've got a huge, large contingency of remodeling clients and God bless them. They have a hard job, uh, especially if they've got a homeowner living in the home while the project's going on. And uh, that's where I always tell people like those videos and daily logs, like knock those things out all every single day you're on that job site. Because a lot of times you can't see what's going on, right? Like you put up baseboards in a kitchen, like there's a 90% chance that even if they're living in the house, they're going to peek in there and be like, what did you actually do today? Uh, and and let your folks know, what, let your clients know what you're doing. I mean, even if it's just cleaning, which is the most important thing you're doing, you can do if you're in someone's home is keep a clean job site. But uh, it's just, it's, we, we, it's a hard industry. I mean, what we do and what you do and what your, a lot of your listeners do, it's not easy and it's complicated. It's emotional. It's expensive. Uh, and it's really tied to someone's like biggest financial commitment. And that, that is complicated stuff. Uh, I think we we underestimate like how complex this industry is uh, and how good this industry is. There's so many good builders out there. I see them all the time. And you hear a lot of the horror stories or the bad stories about a bad contractor. But the reality is there's some world-class contractors in every single market doing really good things. And it's fun to see from my perspective. You're one of them too, Brad. You're one of them, Brad. You're one of them. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> We're, we're trying, we're getting there slowly, but surely. But, uh, what do you do for fun? I mean, as busy as you are, Dan, running a company and, uh, as big as Bill of Trend has grown and all the acquisitions, what, what do you do outside of that? Uh, I've got two daughters, 12 and 10. They're the best part of my life and my wife and we, uh, they're playing sports. So, you know, I think you could spend, uh, eight hours in a gym watching volleyball and if you, you could, it could be the happiest Saturday I could have, uh, is those, as, as most parents know, the time goes fast. So, uh, and when I'm not doing that, I'm traveling or, I, you know, this, I had back surgery about two or three months ago. So I, I like to play golf when I can, but my 41 year old body is given out on me. So I need to find a new hobby. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Man, do you think, see, this is the point, Dan, we're supposed to be playing golf. Not oh, like, gosh, tell me no. about it. It's like, why is our back falling apart already? I know it was, you know, I'll tell you though, it's interesting. Like, this was the first year, first summer I didn't play golf. And like, it was just like a different kind of summer for me. Like, I didn't see all the same usual characters that I see. Uh, I was doing different things. And so it kind of like, in some ways, was good for me, I think. It like, you know, exposed me to some new things. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing people that I would never see. And so it was it was not a bad summer by any means. Well, let me ask you this. I know, uh, be sensitive to your time. We're going to close here. But uh, for those listening that are coming to the Builder Show, iBiz, and I'm going to ask you what's upcoming. I'm excited for you. But outside of that, Dan, uh, I know we're going to talk about don't make my mistake. And I could probably speak about eight hours on this, but I'm going to try to condense it. I know that we have um, uh, BJ Chandler from Millhaven and Heather Tankersley from Tankersley, who I, I know both of them really well. So that's going to be fun. I know you're hosting Dan. So I think that's 930. Yeah. I, I think it is. I think BJ might BJ might be out. I don't know. He may have a conflict now, but uh, whoever we have, I'm sure it will be great. I, I mean, the thing that I love about the International Builder Show, if you have not been and you're a listener and you're a contractor, you need to go to it. It's the best education uh, in the industry, and you can get it all like fast and you know fast and hard in a couple of days. Uh, and plus, you get to see all these great vendors. Um, there's thousands of vendors and it's, it's the best trade show I've ever been to. So, uh, I love it. I hope we see people there. And Bill of Trend takes over. So well, we yeah, get to visit. We, the, we have a big, yeah, yeah, we, we can see the Bill of Trend booth. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be different this year. So we got rid of the RV or the RV still here, but it's, it's not going. So, uh, the marketing team's been working hard. The RV always breaks down on the way to, on the way to the show, which is like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a disaster every year. So it's pretty funny. Well, that's good. Well, as we close, where can listeners find you and uh, what do you have that's upcoming and exciting, Dan? Uh, you know, I think for us, we're just trying to, you know, make our software better every single day. You can find me on LinkedIn or buildertrend.com. You can find me. Uh, and so, you know, at the International Builder Show will be our next big event. We just wrapped up a big customer event in Denver. So I think it's January 31st. Uh, if you've never been, make the trip. You get to see a lot of great, great collaboration with other, you know, folks in your market and 
um, like I said, every vendor under the sun is is there. So it's the place to be for a couple of days. And if you like Las Vegas, there's plenty to do in Las Vegas. You know, you can shop, eat, gamble if you think that's your thing. So all good. Yeah, plenty of good food. Well, truth be told, Dan, I'm bringing 12 of my employees, so we're going to have our whole our whole fill crew there. So looking forward to seeing you, and thanks for making time today. Awesome, Brad. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.